listening to the Britpop Show, sponsored by Creation Day Festival, playing the best and the rest of Britpop. You are indeed listening to the Britpop Show, and it's Monday night, unless you're listening on a podcast, when it could be any time. Hopefully it's the middle of the night, and you can't sleep, and you just thought, you know what, I'll stick on the Britpop Show to maybe put me back to sleep, maybe. Didn't think that one through, did I? We've got two things to talk to you about today. And the first of those, very excited. We're going to celebrate 25 years since the release of an amazing album by Suede. It's their third album, and it's, it's called Coming Up. And if you're going to start, we're going to talk about Suede. You start with one of their real banging tracks. They released, there's 10, sorry, there's five top 10 singles off this album. There's only 10 songs. This, I think, may well be up there as one of the best of them. This is Beautiful Ones by Suede. Yeah. 
beautiful ones by Suede. Because we're celebrating 25 years since the release of their third album coming up. And that song, probably didn't realise this, that song was originally known as Dead Leg because the bass player from Suede, Matt Osman, who is Richard Osman's brother, freaky fact I know, Richard Osman's brother, Matt Osman, threatened to give Brett Anderson a dead leg if he couldn't write a hit. And that one was known initially when it was originally recorded as, as Dead Leg. But we're not just talking about Suede. We also have a very special guest. You know I keep bringing you these Britpop royalty. And then I, we've, we've expanded our horizons somewhat. And we, we, we were talking to Dom Jolly last week. And then this week we have a very special guest, Anna Doble from the BBC, who is a digital, digital editor and who uh, involves herself with podcasts and all sorts of things like that on, on the BBC. Anna, welcome. It's a joy to be on the show and in amongst Britpop royalty. A, Thank you, David. A joy. That's the first time we've ever had anyone say that. Well, great. <laughs> Tell us a bit about what you do, Anna. Okay, so digital editor makes me sound far more technically skilled than I probably am. It, it's about um, digital content, so how we make um, radio and audio on the world service where I'm based into digital things. So, as you mentioned, there are podcasts, but also video content. We do lots of magazine long read articles that appear on the BBC News website, a few of those that I've written myself. But it's basically taking things that started life as audio, as we are now, and making them have a sort of digital lifespan to go with it. So social media, all that stuff as well. And what um, drew, drew me to your attention, or the other way around, I'm not sure if I've done that the right way around, is the article you wrote recently about the return of live music. Yeah, well, that that's the thing. I've kind of... Um, managed to um, write a few pieces that are from the heart. You know, I, the journalism I'm involved with is quite often quite serious, quite hard news, but I've written some music content lately and I've just enjoyed it so much. So, yeah, as live music returned, you know, kind of around the bank holiday when the big festivals, Reading and Leeds, were back, lots of other things were going on, smaller gigs back in, in little venues, I wanted to write a piece about what it meant to people who really love music, the joy of kind of getting back to the old habits of going to certain pubs before the gig or meeting up with your friends, queuing up at the stall at the end for the, for the LPs and the T-shirts, that kind of stuff. And, and just the joy of festivals, like the, the ramshackle chaos of like losing all your friends and, and not being able to find the right exit, all that stuff that is part of the live experience that you can't really get watching at home beauty of festivals nowadays is it almost sends you back to the 90s because the cell towers can't take all those mobile phones can they so <laughs> it's like being in the 90s when you lost your mates you lost them that's it they're done yeah yeah yeah, yeah we can sell we can sell that to generation z can't we it's, yeah. it's the, the 90s experience like no connectivity this is what it used um, to be like tri tripping up and not being able to find your friends <laughs> and that. Spending six quid on some noodles, yeah. <laughs> exactly right, exactly right. And we were all talking about Nebworth at the moment. You went to Nebworth in a blur, blur T-shirt, I understand. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Um, so uh, a little bit uh, mischievous. I'm, I'm thinking back to it. I'm, I was probably lucky to be a girl doing that. <laughs> being, being a boy wandering around Nebworth, aged 17, in a blur shirt probably would have ended badly. Yeah, but, um, I think so. It was, I, I, I love music. At the time, I was very much on the blur side of the divide. I... You know, I still am, but I appreciate what Oasis did and how important they were to the whole movement. And um, and I love Liam on Twitter. So, you know, I've, I've, I've softened with the years, let's just say. Okay. I, the way I always see that, I always see it as 
Blur are a great singles band, but a, there's a lot of filler in Blur albums. Oh, dangerous. A lot. And whereas Oasis, <laughs> some of their singles, like, roll with it. What's that one about? It's rubbish. But well, the album is go. great. That's the thing, though, isn't it? The two singles that were possibly the weakest at the time during that whole Battle of Britpop yeah. thing were the ones that did battle. But yeah. I'll tell you what I really remember about Nebworth. I, I love the whole thing. It was so exciting, the scale of it, getting the coach down from Yorkshire where I lived. Um, but it was actually seeing the Manics. I, I got to see Manic Street Preachers support Oasis and I hadn't really realised how powerful they were before. I'd, I'd heard their records, but they were an amazing support band. I think yeah. the Prodigy supported the next night. And um, I remember seeing Nicky Wire there and he's wearing a dress and yeah. just being, as a 17-year-old girl, mesmerised by by these other bands, but particularly that band. Yeah. So it was, it, was a, it was a really amazing, quite a definitive experience for me. So begrudgingly, I'm going to say thanks, Oasis. <laughs> <laughs> um, I might ask you about your favourite gigs, but before we do that, I've asked you to pick some songs for tonight. And the first one off your list I've chosen is Razzmatazz by Pulp. Why did you pick that? Yeah, thank you for, for, for picking that one. Um, well, we've kind of done the, the, the triumvirate of Britpop straight away, haven't we? Yeah. We've talked about Oasis, Pulp and Blur now. But yeah, Pulp are the band that were probably the doorway into Britpop for me. My big sister, Claire, she was a huge Pulp fan. And um, I was a lot younger, well, four years younger. So kind of listening to stuff through the bedroom wall, kind of getting into music through her. And she just became really obsessed by Jarvis Cocker. And we are from the north, so Sheffield was down the road. It felt really great. The lyrics felt like they were really about sort of the world we knew. Although some of the, <laughs> some of the lyrics in this song are quite um, on the edge. Um, but that's Jarvis, isn't it? He's a kind of a poet. and um, writes his Yeah. And, and he writes these kind of scenarios almost like Alan Bennett in this kind of like little family stories and, and, and quirky things about life in Sheffield when he was a, a kid. And But this one's particularly funny and I think they're all quite funny. I suppose a bit like the Smiths as well in, in that sense. So yeah, so Claire got me into to music really. I've got her to thank for my passion for music. I was 16 in 1995, so just the right age for Britpop, I think. I feel blessed. But Razzmatazz is from an earlier album. It's from actually before Pulp were anywhere near famous. But I think it really encapsulates that feeling of fame just being around the corner for them and this sense of, of them playing tiny venues. And Jarvis talks about kind of having no one turn up at his gigs. And But this has got that kind of showbiz magic just yeah. twinkling around the corner. I think. What, what people don't realise about Pulp is they, they started in like 78 it's mad, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Well, let's, let's hear Razzmatazz and then we'll talk a bit more maybe about Pulp and certainly about Suede. Okay. The trouble with your brother is always sleeping with your mother And I know that your sister missed her time again this month Am I talking too fast? Are you just playing dumb? you want, I can write it down It shouldn't matter to you Cos aren't you the one Oh, with your rats and the tears And the knives on the town
after I left you And now you're going with some kid Who looks like some bad comedian Razzmatazz by Pulp. We had a message in from Anon. I know every week we have a message in from a guy called Anon. And he just every week he just puts tune and a big thumbs up. So, But he's, he's normally around half six he does it, but he's, he's coming early this week. So obviously he's a big fan of Pulp as well. Uh, we, for those of you who joined us late, where were you? Bring a note next time. But we are joined today. With, first of all, we're celebrating 25 years since the release of Coming Up by Suede their third album, and we're also joined in the studio, although virtually, by Anna Doble of the BBC. She's chosen some of the music today, and she just chose Razzmatazz by Pulp, which, as you rightly say, are part of the triumvirate. Yeah, they are. I mean, we're going to talk about Suede, aren't we, because they really set the agenda for Britpop, but when it comes to, like, the peak of Britpop, you can't really go beyond Pulp, Blur, Oasis. It's just absolutely owning it. Yeah. And, you know, the fact that our mums and our grannies and the people down the shop knew who they were and were playing their tunes as well. It was it was an amazing special time for music. Yeah. And, and I think Suede were important. But what was amazing about Suede was, in fact, this third album because Bernard Butler left after the second album, Dogman Star, and they, they, they replaced him with a guitarist who was a 17-year-old guitarist who had sent in a demo to the to the suede fan club i mean that's not the start of what is should be a good album you would imagine <laughs> yeah yeah it's crazy and and that band is so riven with like fallings out and drama obviously there's the connection to you know justin frischman if you pardon and, the pun haha yeah um but somehow or other they always draw from all that kind of brit pop chaos amazing 
lyrics and songs and and the new era for me coming up is probably the album that i most enjoyed buying as a as a teenager yeah it, it was shinier than the other ones it was it knew that it was part of a sort of a bigger more poptastic era but it wasn't kind of you know it wasn't kind of being coy about that it, I, I love it and i, and I I still think it's for me my favorite, and it's the one I've got on vinyl and all those things. The one, the one I go back to. Yeah, me too. And, and what's incredible as well is that they, Brett Anderson, the lead singer, he said, "Right, I'm going to move something polar opposite from Dogman Star, and I'm just going to write ten pop hits." Mm. And okay, as a concept, that's a it's a good concept. But actually, delivering on that is just amazing. And and he did because there's only ten songs. There's only there's five singles, which is quite a lot for an album anyway. Mm. All five of those got to top ten, but there are some other songs on the album that could quite easily have been singles. But I will play later on the the chemistry between us. That's my favourite one, wasn't it? even a single. Absolutely. And yeah. do you know what? The B sides were good as well. Yeah. Honestly, the yeah. whole whole package. And people were saying they were being quite commercial. Their older fans were sort of thinking it was a bit, yeah, like I said, a bit too sort of shiny and pop pop tastic and and aimed at the charts, but why not if you can capture that moment in your career where the door is open to push through and, and do it like cle- clever smart people yeah. like Swear they did it didn't they they've got a whole lifetime to do more things perhaps closer to their hearts and and, and, and sort of more intimate projects but this i think it's an absolute bang in this album absolutely should we play something from it yes please i'm gonna play their fifth single it's from the 1990s Thank you. 
Film Star by Suede. And we're joined in the studio by Anna Doble from the BBC. And we, we not only are we playing 25 years of, of coming up and playing loads of songs from the album, but we're also playing some songs that Anna has chosen. And Anna, we're going to move on to one. I've got to say, I'm not a massive fan of this, but this is, this is the whole joy of music, <laughs> isn't it? Candy Pop by Biss. Why uh, when I messaged you, when I, when I messaged you, David, I knew, I could tell, even though it was a text, that you were, hmm, interesting choice. Okay, yeah. But I can justify it, as you have asked me to. So I, I feel you need that, to. <laughs> so first of all, let's not forget that kind of Britpop wasn't just about English bands. It was about the Welsh scene, the Scottish scene, and the whole of the UK was involved. Some amazing Irish bands, Northern Irish, look at Ash. And look at Yeah, and I think there's there's, there's a few honorary Britpop ones as well, mainly Swedish, like the Cardigans, the Wanna Dies. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going to throw yeah. in. I'm going to throw in fun loving criminals as well. People will kill me for Ooh, that. But I know. It's a one, but I think the cardigans can squeak in. Yeah. But but yeah. So so I I for me I love Bis Candy Pop. I know it's it's kind of a different genre in that it's electro and it's kind of a sort of little funny little punk track that that really kind of can catch you out. <laughs> but do you know what? It was the first. I think it was a really big moment in Britpop that they got on top of the pops before they'd been signed. And me watching age six, 15, 16, I was like, wow, like these kinds of bands, like mad electro punk bands from the back streets of Glasgow are taking over Top of the Pops. You know, Mariah Carey has been pushed aside by little bands who can one minute be playing the back room of a pub, next minute on Top of the Pops on a Thursday night, you know, then a Friday night. So I think this is a real seminal moment for, for this era of indie indie groups making it to the mainstream and grabbing kind of the limelight from from mainstream pop, and it didn't last that long. And of course, good talking about suede and how they went mainstream as well yeah. sort of today. There, but you know, this is a really uh, what's the word hyperactive little tune that really reminds me of that time. Let's play. It's only luckily it's only two minutes forty seven. So let's hear it. <laughs> we 
popular in Japan, I would imagine. <laughs> you loved it, David. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can see my face and you can see that I wasn't, I wasn't dancing along to it, but, you know, I was nodding my head. I, I'm not going to promise I'll ever play it again, though. Oh, they're, they're a great little band. They're still going, I think, as well. They played at my friend's wedding, so I've got a lot of love for this. For free, I would imagine. Oh, they were the, it was a heyday when they played. They've got some other good tunes, actually, if you have me on again. Other good tunes? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, careful on that word other but no <laughs> no I, I shouldn't be rude obviously, obviously this is the joy, joy about music isn't it people are entitled to you know opinions yeah yeah i uh, think manda rin the singer she she's quite funny on twitter as well and i i don't know that they've still got that anarchic thing about them and they're sort of they, they knew they were invading kind of the pop charts and they still sort of have that feel to them yeah <laughs> fair enough right we're <laughs> going to move on to someone uh, a band that you, nobody can complain about on a brit pop show one of the big three, Blur. Yeah. And you chose... Well, tell me what you chose and why. Can you remember what I you chose? chose? I can remember, yeah. No, I, I chose it um, a little bit like the, the Pulp choice, but um, For Tomorrow from Modern Life is Rubbish. I think that, again, feels to me, the album and that song, like a kind of a key moment in Britpop. It was before they were all over the cover of magazines. It was when Damon was still in Doc Martens and a suit. Um, kicking out the amp at uh, you know festivals and getting very drunk in the famous little film they made star shapes just it was when they were a little bit messy and just starting out really young again being a bit punk rock about everything rather than trying to be shiny and and mainstream but it's such a beautiful song and i think anybody who's ever either wanted to live in london has lived in london or read books set in london it's such a beautiful kind of picture of the elegance of, of urban life in london and and all the lyrics just mean a lot to me because I, I listened to them when I was in my loft bedroom in the north of England, kind of imagining this place I might go to. So Damon and, and the rest of the band, they really take you there. And I think it's a really beautiful song, maybe one of their best singles. Well, let's let's hear it. And then after that, what I'm going to do is every week I try and, well, not every week, as, as often as I can, I try and introduce the listeners to a band that they might not have heard of. Uh, and uh, so after we play a bit of Blur, I'm going to play you some Seafruit. Have you ever heard of Seafruit? Ah, I remember the name. Well, we'll, we'll play some of that after. But uh, first of all, we're going to have some For Tomorrow by Blur. Online and on your smart speaker. Playing all the best songs. He's a 20th century boy. With his hands on the
released in May 93. That was Blur's first single off their second album, Modern Life is Rubbish, and chosen tonight by Anna, who's joined us all the way from the BBC. Uh, Anna, every week I try and send out some some stuff that you can't find on Spotify. And normally when I'm introducing people to some Britpop stuff, I normally hit them with uh, Electricity and Morning Afterglow. Don't know if you know them. You can't get it on Spotify, so you're going to have to listen to some of the back podcasts if you want to hear it. But Electricity is, you know, if people go, oh, you know, you like a bit of Britpop, what what song should I listen to? I always hit them with that. Last week had a bit of the Dandies. Dandy Warhols? No, Dandies. Uh, which are they're American. I was going to say Dandy Warhols. Are, I, I would love to play some Dandy Warhols, but yeah. I, it's just I'm too restricted in my genre. I can't. I can't <laughs> yeah. do it. Uh, they could be almost honorary Britpop. I think. I think. Yeah. But we'll see. But this is Seafruit, and they did. They're right at the back end. You won't find them on Spotify. They're right at the back end of of the Britpop movement, and they're. It's, I think they only released one album and it was in, the title was an anagram of Seafruit. And it was just every single song was an absolute belter. And I'm going to play you this one and I'd like you to listen to it and let me know what you think. This is Looking for okay. Sparks. Watching the fireworks in a park You were waltzing with me Warm by the fire, but looking for sparks And you said, oh, to be free Nobody's perfect round here And your fingers were pointing at me Like a young woman scorned You were a treasure to me But I was skin so you had to be pawned Out of the window Go the things that I am Cause nobody wants to believe In a stubborn belligerent man Let me come home 
That's Looking for Sparks by Seafruit. Anna, what do you think? You can well, be rude. I, I want to know what I was playing that in. Was it 98 that came out? Yeah. I should. I was first year at Leeds University and they're from Sheffield, so I really should have been on to that. Yep. Um, yeah, they remind me a bit of sort of the long pigs, that kind of end of things. Now I love a bit of the long pigs. We've yeah. been a big fan of the long pigs. If you know yeah. Chris, if you know Crispin Hunt, send him a text because we want him on the show. He's <laughs> he's my number one target now. But yeah, if you go into a a, a CD shop now and you're scrolling through the you know one pound CDs and you see a copy of anything by Seafruit, buy it. Mm. It's all good. And you won't yeah. find it on Spotify. So, yeah, they... There, there was a band called Seafood, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. There so was. I think that might have caused them problems <laughs> marketing-wise. Because I think, again, like we, we, we lo- we're obviously, you know, preaching to the converted here. We love that era of music. But there was so much quality that you kind of think things like this, how did that get lost? If yeah. that came along today and somebody, you know, got hold of Radio 1 and said, you should put this on and put this on the new music list... It would probably have a big, bigger chance now than then when there was a kind of such an, a, an overload of good music. Yeah, well, I, I got a message from a guy in America last week who was listening live and he said that it was similar with the dandies. He was like, I, I listen to the show because I like the music and then there's all these bands that just fall through the cracks and mm. how do I not know this? I'm a big Britpop fan and how do I not know this band now? I've yeah. got to go and find them. Uh, and I always throw them out there where you can't, they're, they're always quite hard to find. I like to send people off on a little treasure hunt. Anyway, so that was Looking for Sparks by Seafruit and you find anything by Seafruit, go and, go and find out. But tonight we are talking about Suede and in particular their third album coming up. Should we play another one from Suede before we talk about the Mercury Music Prize that they didn't win? Oh yeah, yeah. let's do it. All right, this one, uh, this, this is a real crowd pleaser, Saturday night. You're listening to The Britpop Show, sponsored by Creation Day Festival, playing the best and the rest of Britpop. It will be our 
Saturday Night by Suede off the album coming up because that's 25 years and that's the thing about doing this show we're getting into the 30 year category because it was 30 years since Leisure recently and it's just starting to get scary it is a bit yeah that was nominated for a Mercury Music Prize and do you want to hear the list of of what was of what was on it's a monster list isn't it have you looked well you go through it but yeah we feel hard done by for Suede, but actually well, there were others that were more hard done by. Well, you've got Suede coming up. You've got the Chemical Brothers, Dig Your Own Hole, Radiohead, OK Computer. I mean, that's that, yeah. that that's a big shout, isn't it? Primal Scream, Vanishing Point, again, also a big shout. Mm-hmm. Beth Orton, Trailer Park. John, John Tavener, Sivati. Don't know that one. <laughs> Classic reaction. <laughs> we don't know. Prodigy, Fat of the Land. Yeah, banger. And that's the kind of thing that you would Hang expect on. it to go with, wouldn't you? So have you, have you? Are you at the end of the uh, list? No, no, no. no. There's better to come. You've got the Spice Girls with their seminal album, Spice. It's got to be. That should have won. What? <laughs> I'm just going just gonna to fade you out now. Sorry. Um, Mark <laughs> that... Anthony Turnage, your rockabye. Mm, don't know. Of those, you're saying Spice, are you? Well, look, it depends what you want from the Mercury Prize. Like Ronnie Size and Represent won it. And let's face it, in the late 90s, drum and bass was a massive part of our lives. So, it, you know, it was a fantastic winner. But it broke up kind of, you know, the year before was Pulp. We'd had, actually, Suede did win it in 93. Suede won it in 93, yeah. Yeah, with their so, first but album. I, so. But if you're going to go for what is totally zeitgeist, that is emblematic of that time, 1997 has got to be Spice Girls Spice. No. (laughs) It's Fat of the Land or OK Computer. I think OK Computer was the favourite that year. And I I think we all thought it would win and it would have been a great winner. But, you know, it doesn't have to always be serious music. It it can be, you know. You're right, Ronnie Size. (laughs) But I love the fact that the the Mercury Prize does jump around and have completely different genres competing. But, yeah, I mean, there's a lot, you know, Chemical Brothers could have won it. So, yeah. It was a big year, you, big year. What would you have chosen? Probably, you know what, probably uh, probably coming up, because that's the one that I play the most, but actually at the time I would have chosen OK Computer. Yeah. So, But looking, looking back now, I'm going coming up. Anyway, I threw it out on Twitter and said to people, look, we're doing 25 years since, since coming up, and what other songs what other music should we play and i thought people would come up with a bit of manson there's a guy called comic pseudonym came up with and there's a lot of people came up with geneva and he came oh, up with geneva manson sparks tears mccormick and butler and he put cheeky girls in there i think he was just you know having a laugh and a guy called niall collins also came up with geneva and i suspect it's this nude records link isn't it and there's a guy called davo who once i was playing some suede and i checked with him because in america they are called the London Suede because yeah. of some copyright issues. But anyway, he said, how about some Gene, Morrissey, David Bowie, James, Manson, Ride or The Verve? I'm not playing any of those, unfortunately. But we, we've had so many people request Geneva. I thought I'd play some Geneva. And when I threw this out to you, you said Into the Blue. So should we have that? Yes, please. I love this song. Here we go.
February 97, that's Into the Blue from Geneva's first album, Further. Not a bad album, that. That should have been on the Mercury list, frankly. Yeah, yeah, should have been. I saw them support the Blue Tones in Leicester, and he's, he's got a big old voice, isn't he, on him? Andrew Montgomery, he's he's Another Scot as well. I've brought some more Scottishness to, to Britpop here. But another example of a band that if they'd kind of come along at a different time, that voice is stunning and he could have been an absolute superstar, but again, a crowded room and so many other bands at the time doing great things that they didn't quite get their moment in the sun, did they? Yeah, well, talking of talking of Scottish bands, we interviewed, interviewed the Supernaturals and there's another band that's just absolutely mm. brilliant. You know, they, mm. they got more of their time in the sun, but yeah. Right, we've got to that time of the show where i've had to wield the axe and i've chopped loads of songs off your list i'm very sorry <laughs> uh, they're all the ones i didn't like anyway like menswear and elastica but yeah this got I... through though i know I, that was a mistake wasn't it what can i do i can't believe you chopped elastica because i want to read you a quick quote from, from the, the brett anderson book okay please do go on so we're talking about suede and coming up anyone who hasn't read cold cold black mornings it's a brilliant book and there's a little moment in it where um brett meets justine on their university course, and she makes them some sandwiches. This is how Britpop began, people. (laughs) And he describes it all and says, we started hanging around together, him and Justine, although I'm not quite sure what she saw in a provincial twig like me. My naive parochial charm must have been novel to her. She, however, was so urbane and worldly that I'm surprised I never found her daunting. So Mr. Confident... Brett Anderson was actually in awe of her at that point. There yeah. You go. Now, you obviously, you you do your writing for, for BBC. You, you write about music as well. If people have liked what they've heard, how do they get hold of you? Oh, they can tweet me anytime. I love chatting about music on Twitter. So at Anna Doble on Twitter is the best way. And Doble is spelled D-O-B-L-E. They find you on Twitter. So if guys, if you if you enjoy chatting to Anna, Get in touch with her, talk to her about music. But we're going to end on what I think is the best one of coming up. This is the chemistry between us. And the, the strings on this, to me, are just just sublime. A, any comment on that? You've got about 26 seconds well, to, to do it. I'm going to say, is it about Justine and her sandwiches? It's too late for it, isn't it? It's way <laughs> too late. I, can't, I can never remember. She went from him to Damon, didn't she? Or was it the other way around? Yeah, she did. Um, yeah, things got messy back then, didn't they? Yeah, so I'm he sure talks about that I'm book, sure actually. It's very entertaining. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you guys for listening. See you on the flip side. Cheers.
Amazing.